Good morning. Morning, Pastor Easy. Happy early birthday. Uh, I'm excited about today. I'm preaching an old message. I don't usually do this. Lena has, Lena, when I first started preaching messages, I, you know, I used to go to churches and these people, these pastors would come in, they call them sugar sticks. They'd preach the same message over and over. I remember one pastor in Roswell, he preached on circumcision every year. I mean, five years in a row on circumcision. I told the pastor, I says, if he comes anymore, there ain't going to be nothing left. I mean, <laughs> and so for me, I travel with an evangelist and God would speak to me about what he once said. I remember one time I, would, I gave a 15-minute message, and he goes, that's a great message. I want you to preach it back at home. And when he did, my heart was grieved because I knew it wasn't for our church, and it was flat. But uh, Pastor Lena, for the longest time, says, you need to save your notes. You need to save your notes. And I didn't. I haven't. But the last, oh, I don't know, four or five months, I, I finally listened to her. You know, I'll just say we had discussions. Because uh, she goes, if you value what God gave you, you can keep it because you never know when he wants to use it again. So it's not oh, it's a sugar stick, I'm going to use it. It's God, if you want to say it again. I felt like God pulled a lean on me because he wants me to revisit a message I preached on March 20th, 2016. Now, I've preached the right words the wrong way. It's not fully his intent, his fully his heart. Uh, I've missed it, but that's always been my intent is to hear what he says. And I believe God wants to revisit this word, not because I don't have another word. It's because he wants this said today. So let's begin my dad grew up in Colorado. He grew up on the farm. He was around animals. He knows animals. He knows how to grow things. I grew up in California, and so, but it was always in him, and we always had, you know, different types of gardens and things, but when we got to New Mexico, he, he was in New Mexico. I was in Colorado Springs. He called me and says, will you help me uh, with my business? I want to start a business, so I went down to New Mexico. Uh, I had my house. He had his house with, with his wife, Terry, but he had about, I don't know, five or six acres pecan trees. He planted pecan trees. My dad did everything with excellence. He had a corral with animals and horses, and Terry, his wife, had these little things called banny chickens. Now, a chicken is not that big. They've got farm chickens that lay eggs that you guys are familiar with, the white, usually white. A banny chicken is about a quarter the size. So she liked these banny chickens. So my dad had this, he made this chicken coop in the corral, and it had a door, and so they had the nestings, and then they had with the chickens roost. If you know anything about chickens, there's a pecking order that they establish actually when they're very young. Little chicks will run into each other and flap their wings, and who's going to be dominant? It's actually they establish, and there's a pecking order. But I went over there one day. Every th he would grow alfalfa, and every three weeks, my brother and I would his his friend would come in with the baler, and the and the bells of alfalfa would you know would be in the in the fields, and my brother and I would take the bells of alfalfa, put it on a flatbed, and then put it in the barn every three weeks. I mean, it was so much fun. Uh, we hated it, you know, but uh, it scratched my arms. It was hot. Oh, I hated it. My brother, who's a lot bigger than me, taller than me, it was easier for him. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, I hated it. But I was over there one day, and I saw a banny hen, which is a quarter of a size of a chicken, and he had her little babies, followed by a guinea, which was really tall. Now, he had these things called wild guineas on the other side of the corral. The guinea are wild fowl, chickens are domesticated birds. So here's this wild fowl following this, this, this hen. I go, Dad, what happened? He goes, well, the guinea mom died. And I took the egg of the guinea and I put it under the banny hen and it hatched. And this guinea, his whole life, thought he was a chicken. He ate like a chicken. He walked like a chicken. He did a lot of things like a chicken, but his DNA was guinea. And when, I remember... One night, 
the sun was going down, and when the, when the sun is going down and the, and the animals have an instinct, when they're losing their light, the chickens will roost, but the guineas roost up high. See, guineas are wild. My dad had guineas because of many reasons. They would eat insects and bugs, but they'd also chase away the snakes. They would surround the snakes and harass the snake until it would leave. My dad didn't have to worry about the guineas. They'd fend for themselves, eat for themselves. They're wild. They weren't afraid of the grass. But chickens kind of stayed in that little area, especially the banny hen. She's like, she knew she was smaller. But each night, I remember one night I was, oh, had the chicken coop door open. You're ready to shut the door. It has a little door. They can come out. And, and so all the chickens are roosting. But that guinea, because they roost up high, it was in its DNA. And the guinea would push itself up through the chickens and roost on the highest rung. The problem was when he looked up, he saw plywood. And all his brothers and sisters, when they looked up, they, say, they saw stars. So when you look at your future and you look at your life, do you see a plywood limit or do you see unlimited stars? We're going to look at some spiritual analogies. We are called to the wild. We're called to the wild. We're called to take risk. And that does not mean that you're supposed to sell your house and move to Africa if he doesn't call you to move to Africa. For everybody, it looks a little different. But what happens is, as Christians, we get domesticated. We like safety. And if you like safety, you will never fulfill your destiny. If Jesus was concerned about safety, he never would have left heaven. He did not leave heaven for himself. He left heaven for you. So we take risk for others. John, why do you go to Juarez? No, because I like tacos. No, because there's a 13-year-old girl. There's a 13-year-old girl who's never told you have a purpose and a destiny. And God is not an American. So look, he says, Jesus was speaking. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from. But he doesn't stop there and where it goes, but he doesn't stop there. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So you cannot say, Kirk, this is your future. You can give a prophecy, and it, it, it can give some, some details, but it, it can't give all the details. There is a wildness that we are called to. Many churches and many pastors would have revival if it fit in their time slot. But it doesn't. You know why? Because they can't control it. We are controlled, and I'm not talking about disorder and chaos that you think, but I'm saying, see, one thing revival didn't have was discernment in the past. Like, that's demonic, that's show, but I believe revival's coming with discernment. Friends, that's a huge difference. You're flopping because he flopped. No. I, I've, I've been in meetings, and, and they've laid hands on me, and I was the only one standing. I've been pushed before. I tried to get up, and he says, stay down. No, I don't need that show. It's not about you flopping or shaking or moving. It's about did you change? Do you know him more? And see, I, I, we want those effects. I've been with some of you, and that's coming, okay? But a lot of pastors will say, okay, God, if you can heal within this hour, we'll let you heal. And the Holy Spirit said, you know what? I'm coming in a way that I have never come before. See, that guinea was in the coop its entire life, in the barn, its entire life. He never knew he was a guinea. And that guinea had a thought that I believe many believers do. Where I am is who I am. The doctor gave you this physical judgment. I'll call it a judgment. And you say, that's who I am. And you may be in a situation of sin, and that's who I am. See, the guineas, that didn't change his DNA. You can put it in the chicken coop, his DNA was still guinea. When you became born again, your DNA is from heaven. You know, all these, you know, I took Ancestry.com and all these tests, and they tell you, if your spirit could take a DNA test, it would say 100% Heavenly Father. 
100% heaven. So here's this guinea. Every night he'd push himself up because in him he knew there was something more. He was on the top rung. I believe many believers in here, including me, know there's something more you just don't know because you've been living in containment. See, my dad is the one who took his tape measure and made the chicken coop, and he set the measurements. My dad is the one that made the corral and said, this is your limits. See, what limits has man put on you and say, this is as far as you can go? And when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, women, and also the words we speak to ourselves. This is who you are. My dad took the egg that was a DNA made for the wild, and he put it under domesticated chicken, and then we said, you are domesticated. So he followed the hen his whole life eating chickens if you notice they have their heads down a lot guineas do not guineas are almost the size of a turkey and if you study guineas it says without exception guineas are strong flyers everybody in here is made for flight without exception doesn't matter if you're a six-year-old what gender what background but my dad is the one that says this is your new life now and sometimes words have spoken people have placed us maybe sin has placed you here now see where i am is who i am no I'm made for the wild. I, when you got born again, then his, he downloaded his destiny and purpose in you. You just got to hear it. See, before the foundation of the world. You, see, a lot of us, we don't know who he was. That guinea didn't know he was a guinea. So my dad, he did everything with excellence, and so he had the, the barnyard graded. There was no holes. There was no ravines. And you, you couldn't tell there was a slope, but when it rained, all the water would run off. But the chickens had their little water, had, had a lid, I'd fill it up, I'd put the lid over, and there's just a little ring of water. So the guinea, his whole life, would drink that little ring of water. He'd stick his beak in it, but wouldn't see his face. Well, all his brothers and sisters would drink in the wild, and they would see their reflection in the pond and lakes and little puddles. And see, I think that's with many believers. They have enough of the word to sustain themselves, but not enough to see their reflection. See, when you look at this word, the longer you stare, the more detail you see. That guinea never saw that he was a guinea. So he didn't have enough. And so we get in this word. Let me just say a little bit about the word. I think spirit-filled people, we discount the word in general. I'm not saying us or here, but in general. We elevate prophecy, conferences. Friends, they will never take the place of this word. This word does not say live off prophetic words. This word says, come to me. See, you know, people say, John, you get so much revelation. What's God saying? I'll tell you one thing God is saying. My son paid the price so the veil could be ripped so you could come personally to me. See, a lot of people, I've been to to Paris, the Louvre Museum. I I loved it. I said the Renaissance floor was so big. I wasn't going to look at all the, I went right to the Renaissance floor and I saw all these paintings and stuff. A lot of people study the word like that. It's not really for me. See, I study the dates, and I study the Greek, and I study the Hebrews, and I study this, and I study that. But it's not, when you start reading the word, this is for me. It's difference between looking at an artifact in the museum or opening a present for you. There's a huge difference. I didn't go, they painted this for me. They didn't know me. But when I get a gift, the, the, the word of God is for you. Moses didn't write that down for himself. He wrote it for you. That was not documented, Jacob and Joseph, for for them. It was for you. They were living it. They didn't need it. We need it now. And so when we we have revival, one of the things we need to revive is our love for the Word of God. Now, this is not you need to read it five minutes or you need to read it seven minutes or your daily program. But this is when you have a love for the Word and God's speaking to me. Then you start getting into the Word. Then you start reading the Word. He starts speaking to you. Amen? I'll give you some examples. I, uh, when... See, when you start reading the Word, you see scriptures like, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We, not them. It's us. It's everybody. Amen? 
those that receive Christ, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It is a living word, which means it's breathing. It's for today. It's not the ink. It's not the translation. It's not the paper. It's that God really said. And that's really what it comes down to, did God really say? Because there's a lot of people say, did God? This stopped there. Was it really God who spoke? Then there's others said, yes, it was God, but did he really say, I'm going to twist it a little bit to, to put it in, my, in the corral that I've made? Because you can do the same thing. People take gold and silver and they make an idol. You can do the same thing with theology. This is my theology. This is who God is, and it doesn't exist. But, I, but you know, I, before I had electronic Bible, I never marked up my Bible because I would read it, and God would show me something different. So I never put, you know, I, ne- I never put, this is it. This is the only way. You know, I had a, a gentleman years ago, he told me, John, the word of God is like a diamond. You can look at it different ways and get different lights. And that's true. And I told him, I said, that's true as long as it's the same substance. See, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses come along and change the substance. Jesus isn't God. Now you change the substance. See, so don't get that twisted. You know when Paul says, don't muzzle an ox? See, that, oh, that was to them. That wasn't. Paul takes a scripture from the Old Testament that has nothing to do with ministers, nothing to do with giving when you read it, and says, don't muzzle an ox. So, you know, people that give the word, preach the word, especially those, they're, they're worthy of double honor. But he uses that scripture. Well, if an animal is working, don't let it eat. If a minister is preaching, he should have benefits of those blessings too. And he's saying a person's far more important than an animal. See, because so, there's people that study the word and they go, it's only not this context or only that's context. Amen? I remember I was, I was, when I was in New Mexico and I went there, the pastor, he had these people in the church for a long time. And because my dad says, come help me with my business. So I went down there and I started helping my dad. And I went to this church and the pastor goes, will you travel with me? Well, all the guys in the church that have been there a long time, they got jealous. And, they, and I'll just say they weren't that nice to me. I'll just say it like that. But it, it was hurtful to me because I didn't ask for it. I was just, and so I was just reading the word one day, and God gave me this scripture. He says, I just never forget it. It says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob. So when I read that, the Holy Spirit just, I knew that was for me. I didn't go, that was for Joseph back then, John. That was for Joseph when Jacob's blessing, that's also for you. Our God can do that. He can take what was written thousands of years ago and make it alive today. You just don't need a prophetic, friends. We need to get back in this word because it's to know him. It's not to know. Some people study it to argue. Some people study it so they know what to say. Some people study it so they can figure it out. We need to study it so we can know him. And then we know him. We know who we are in him. Not knowing yourself outside of him, friends. No, no, no. You know yourself in him. God, he's faithful. He's just. He's, he, he made the promises. He made a promise to Abraham. One man, one person. It's like Leviticus. John, it's hard for me to read for Leviticus. Everything's important. Yeah, that's how the law is on you. You can't even read it. Can you imagine doing it? That's why we read the word. It's important. And tears started flowing down my face. Years later, that man asked for forgiveness. One of the men, he came up to me and goes, John, I'm sorry the way we treated you. I said, I forgave you the moment you did it. His head shot back. My forgiveness isn't based on your actions. It's based on when God says forgive. I forgave you because he said, not when you asked for it. See, when you get in the Word, you go, okay, God, I'm going to live in your ways. I'm going I'm to do your things. And so the guinea never saw his reflection in the water. But he had enough of water to survive week to week. And the many believers are like that. Just give me a message I can get through this circumstance or situation. And God says, come to the waters and see your reflection. The longer you stare, the more details you will see. I was, uh, 
listening to this testimony this week. He was a prisoner, and he went to prison, and there were all these things scratched. And he was a new believer, but he didn't really know that much. He just got saved. So they took him to this new place, and they took his Bible. They took everything. He goes, when they take you to a new place, they don't have anything. And he starts looking in the bed, and he goes, oh, I don't, man, he was a drug dealer, but he gave his life to Christ. And he's like, gosh. And he just saw it script. If you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. He goes, I don't know what it me I don't know what it says, but I don't have a Bible. So they had a community place where they had cups and plates, and so he opened it and I saw in the Bible in the back. I took the Bible and I started reading Jeremiah 29:11. And he goes, as I started reading it down, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then it says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. And he goes, that's for me. See, God took a verse to Jericho. He said, oh, that was to the Israelites. Only our living God can take the living word. Because if it's just to them, I'm not going to read it. It wasn't written for them. The book of Acts wasn't written for them. They were living it. It's for us. God has a book of Acts for you, stuff we're supposed to do. Last week, Pastor Easy talked about faith in motion. Amen? So here's this guinea in this corral, and it's not just knowing Scripture. Satan knows more Scripture than all is put together, but yet he's the enemy of God. So it's not just quoting Scripture, it's knowing him. I dare say most Jehovah's Witnesses can quote more Scriptures than anybody in here. I'm not kidding, but they don't know him. See, you've changed the substance. And as you're standing before my door, God gives me stuff to say. Why? Because I know him, and he's in me. Amen? So... The one thing that lady, this lady wrote about guineas when I was looking at, she said, she says, I wish I knew this before I had guineas. She goes, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but chickens know when they are off their turf. I'm not sure how, but they do. Well, guineas are not like that, not in the slightest. Guineas will walk onto a road and think they own it. They will take over the neighbor's yard if they so desire. Jesus says, go into all the world. We are called to the wild. No limits. So the guinea was... Every night he pushed himself up, no one or something more. He didn't see his reflection in the water. You know, and there's one thing that, as I was looking at this message this week, one thing that God shared with me that wasn't on the last message, and I just, I just thought of it. The sun would go down. He goes, just think, the chickens go in the coop. The sun was setting. Now the sun goes down and the stars come out. But he's in the coop, never sees the stars. Sun rises, they come out. His entire life, he never saw the stars. There's believers their entire life, they never see their potential in God. God told Abram, the Bible says he took him outside and said, look up. He took him outside. It's time for some of us to go outside the corral, go outside the chicken coop, go outside that place of containment. See, here's the truth. That guinea was always one corral fence away to the wild. I'm not talking five years, six years. I'm talking one decision. I remember one time I was, I was there and I was, it was sundown, my brother and I were working, we put all the alfalfa, I'm watering, make sure everything's fed, and the chickens are going in the chicken coop, and the guineas are behind me in the fields, and I can hear them calling, and their call is, come up higher, because as the sun is setting, the chickens are going in the chicken coop, but at the same time, the guineas are flying higher. See, guineas fly high to roost. They were, I saw them on my dad's telephone pole. I saw them in the trees. They never roosted on the ground. So at the same time, the sun is setting on the earth. The chicken is going in the chicken coop. The guineas are giving their call, come up higher. And here's this guinea walking in the chicken coop, and I'm standing right next to him. He hears the sound, but not the call. Do you hear the sound, or do you hear the call to come up higher? Because it wasn't distinct. 
There I was, day after day after day, that guinea, and they would give their call. They would give their call. He heard the sound, but not the call. Do you hear the call to come up higher? Do you just hear music, or do you hear the call to worship? Do you just hear words, or do you hear the call of purpose and destiny? Do you just hear the prophecies, or do you hear the Father's heart? Do you hear the sound, or do you hear the call? It's time for the call to come up higher. From containment to call. Pastor Allen and I were uh, uh, roommates for a while, and I were a school I work. I, I'm, a, I'm an instructor, and so I come by the, 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 with, with the kids. It's a specialized school, and the kids are playing basketball. So I'd play with them, and the staff would play, but to mess the staff up, I'd go, <laughs> Well, the kids started doing that all day long. Staff loved me, right? They'd see me, they'd go, I did it at the house a couple times. Pastor Allen goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, it's a sound I make when, you know, to mess them up. So we go shopping together. We don't go shopping together, but that day he had to get, buy groceries. I had to buy groceries. So we went and bought groceries, right? So I buy my groceries. I cross through the line where all the tellers are. This is before social distancing, H-E-B. It was crowded. Then I see Pastor Allen. He finishes, but he's looking towards the aisles. First, I'm like, what makes you think you'd be done before me? I don't know. <laughs> that was my first thought. I had Topo Chico and fruit juice. I'm done. <laughs> and I walk fast. And there he is looking, looking. And I go, <laughs> Nobody turned around. Five, six people away. No one looked at me but one person. <laughs> they all heard the sound, but he heard the call. Courtney, <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you please come play, please? And he, Pastor Allen, you remember? <laughs> and he turned around, and the look on his face was like, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I cannot believe you did that here. <laughs> no one paid attention. No one looked at me. Why? Because it wasn't distinct for them. Do you hear the message today, or do you hear the call to come up higher? Is it words, or is it a call? See, one heard the call. God says, who will I call? Who will I send? His word goes out. Jesus preached messages, sermons. Jesus. Many walked away debating what he said, went lost for eternity, standing before truth. Pilate, what is truth? And he walks out. Standing before God himself. Heard the words, but not the call. Do you just hear the words, or do you hear his call to come up higher? One corral fence away. That entire, that guinea just had one flight and he was over. One decision and he was over. Not years, he could fly, he was able, he just didn't know it. Do you know what's in you? When you got born again, he put purpose and destiny and gifts and callings. His DNA is from him. His DNA was always guinea, it was never chicken. He just was limited by man's, my man's actions. Actions, what they did to you, the abuse, what they said, what you said to yourself. You agree with his words. Did God really say you're going to do this? Did God really say, not just in Genesis, personal words. The word is for us. Do you hear the sound or do you hear the call? And he's calling out. One of the calls is revival, awakening, outpouring, his spirit. When it happens, the name won't matter. It'll just be the effects. When it happens, you will know. And he's, he's, he's calling churches together, not one, not two, not three. He's calling the wild ones. So, Lord, I thank you today. Not just you have, you have called us out of containment into significance. From containment to call. 
Here's your pen. This is all you'll ever do. This is all you'll ever make. This is all you'll ever go. These are always the countries you'll visit. That Guinea never saw its reflection. That Guinea never saw its stars because he just, he, where I am is who I am. Lord, I thank you. I don't know what circumstances or situations you're in, but where you are is not who you are. You are who he called you to be. Do you hear the call to come up higher? One flight away and he is over. No one looked. No one cared. No one paid attention but one. And his word is going out. So, Lord, I thank you. This is a people that responds to your call. Yes, Lord, we hear. One said he'll go. Jesus said, one said, I'll go, and didn't go. Another said, I'm not going to go, but he went. Jesus says, who's right? The one that said, I won't go, but go. So it's not what you say, it's what you do. So, Lord, I thank you. We just don't say we'll go and then not go. We will go what you say. For some of us, it may be just evangelizing more. I don't know what he's called you to do that you're not doing, that, you're, that you've limited yourself, but he's called you to the wild. One corral, fence, decision, away to the wild. Just one, from containment to call. It's safer in the, in, the, in the coop, John. They give me my food. They give me water. I know it's safer. I know it's easier. I know in the field the grass is tall. You don't know what exists. But when those demonic snakes come, you are called to scare them away, not be scared of them. You know, when I preached this message in 2015, I haven't seen a guinea in years, but I saw it the week before I preached. This guinea was crossing the road. And then I found out this lady owns guineas, and I've seen them ever since. Well, this week, I saw a group of guineas crossing the road. I, they were crossing the road, but one was lagging behind, and there was one guinea that stood in the middle of the road and waited for the other guinea. No one left behind. Without exception, everybody in here is a strong flyer. He was facing a car, but he just waited till they were all across. That's our Heavenly Father's heart. In between danger and Satan, he stepped in and said, no one left behind. If you choose it. Twelve disciples that all made it. Standing there, more people walked away from Jesus than received him during his earthly ministry. But it took the disciples to come again. And there's, there's some that said no to Jesus and later said yes to Jesus. I don't know what no you've given him. I won't do this. I won't do that. This is what I'll do. This is what I'll don't. But Lord, we release it today. Just close your eyes and think about your own life because my life isn't your life and, and me going to Mexico doesn't help you and that's not really what he's called you to do. He's called you to do, but he has called you to live in the wild. And there's people that domesticate guineas, they'll clip their wings so they won't fly and they'll push them in the chicken coop. Some of us have clipped wings, but without exception, we're strong flyers. You were never made for containment. You were made for his call. Do you hear his call to come up higher? Lord, I thank you. You're calling us, and we will respond. He has a part that's calling. We have a part that's responding. Never knew the stars, never saw the stars, but he told me, Abraham, come out. He took Abraham out, Abram outside. Before he was Abraham, he didn't wait. He's not, God's not waiting for your purpose and destiny to be fulfilled before he goes, oh, this is who you really are. He takes you by the hand, and he takes you outside your containment, outside what they said, outside what you've always done. Lord, I thank you. There's people in here that will do things that they have never done that hasn't even entered their mind. It wasn't prophesied in us, and it wasn't in a sermon. It's not something that, it's something they got direct from you, God. I thank you, Lord. Lord, you're not limited to the past. God is not a history teacher. Some weeks back, I was just it just came out of my mouth. God is not a history teacher, so I paused. I wasn't in my notes. I wasn't planning to say it. If God's not a history teacher, this means this is not a history book. 
just to be studied what he did. No, 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 what he's doing and who he is. At any time, that guinea could have flew over that corral fence. Oh, it's cute. No, it's sad. John, here's, here's what my family said. Here's what my past said. Here, if I just went by what my dad said, I'd never be a Christian. At 13 years old, he didn't even like the fact that I was a Christian. But I rode my bike anyways. He said I could go, but he made fun of me for doing it. You know what that, that is for a 13-year-old boy not to have his father's acceptance? It was hard. But I would push my bike up that hill because there was a heavenly father whose acceptance was far greater. It's time we started receiving his acceptance, not man's. So Lord, I thank you for the call to come up higher. I responded when I was 13, but there's another call that goes out. It's not just the call of salvation. It's not just the call of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is your own book of Acts. I thank you for a revival coming that's wild, God. I thank you, no, no, not demonic, not, but a wild, wild revival, God. We are called to the wild. We're not called to be like any other church. We're called to be like you, Jesus. There's nobody we've seen on video that God says if he's called you to be epicenter you are in your own place my spirit will be here in a place like no other it'll be unique to us cherish it love it enjoy it don't compare i'm taking you to the higher place the corral you're going over the corral new buildings with an s with an s orphanages feeding programs yes lord places in the dumps sponsored by the epicenter yes lord eight-year-old kids living in the dumps no one's ever told them their whole life you're a chicken and we come and say where you are is not who you are you may live in a dump but that's not who you are Lord I thank you for the comparison to end we don't need a worship team like anybody else we don't need preachers like anybody else Do you hear the call to come up higher? They did not roost on the ground. They roosted high up. I saw them on high telephone poles. And every night the door was shut on those chickens. They stay there. Stay there. The sun was setting. In the, the sun of God is setting on the earth like never before. And the call is going out. And some will run to safety. And some will run to the wild. Thank you, Lord. We're willing to take risk and say things and do things and give things. And for all of us, it looks different. Do you hear the call to come up higher? Because if you just hear the sound, you'll keep just your same walk that you've always walked, the same places you've always done, the same people you've always hung out with, the same things you've always done, because it's safer. I'll give you that, it's safer. But safety is never the goal. Jesus never said, follow safety. He said, follow me. He never said, follow protection. He said, follow me. He said, I'll make your life safe. No, some will die martyrs. That's not safer. Some will die martyrs. That's not safer. If you want a safe place, this is not it. This is not it. We're not safe. Our sins aren't safe. Our lives aren't safe. Our past isn't safe. 
So Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work you're doing in us.